It's like, I need to change the way I look. Motivation will not carry you anywhere. Like it will get you for the first day. It will get you to start something. But if you're not disciplined, it doesn't mean anything. So I think for me, motivation isn't really a big factor. It's more so what can I set out to do? And I think discipline is doing what motivation would do if it was there every day. And it's not. and welcome back to another exciting episode of catch-ups in my kitchen the podcast about all things food health and wellness with me georgia simmons host of the podcast this week in my kitchen i am joined by milo mcleod the sport and fitness content creator who has been on many journeys He's been on a fitness journey where what was a get in shape goal turned into a marathon and bodybuilding goal. He's been on a journey with going sober, a journey with his career, and he's now on a journey to building a community for those who want to get fit together, make new friends and become the best version of themselves. In this episode, we unpick all of this as well as talking about diet and lifestyle choices and the difference between motivation and determination. This is a great episode about transformation, which I think you're going to love. So please enjoy, and as always, have a lovely, lovely rest of your day. Milo, welcome to my kitchen. How are you? Very good. Lovely kitchen. Thank Thank you you so much. (laughs) To start things off, do you mind giving a really quick elevator pitch? Who you are, what you do? Yeah, so I'm Milo McLeod and I now work in sport. I come from a background of fitness and ski racing. Now we're into the world of coaching and trying to help other people through content and hosting events on the weekend. Amazing. You've definitely been on a bit of a journey, which we're going to touch on, and I'm excited to hear all about it. Before we do that, I have a quick fire round about all things food. All things food. Yep. Sweet or savoury? Savoury. Juicy burger or overloaded salad? Burger, all the way. What is your go-to cuisine? Italian. Cook in or eat out? Cook in. And what is your go-to delivery? Mmm. Ooh. It's tough. I had a pasta evangelist the other day and it was really good. Ooh, good one actually. Yeah, that was a smash. Yeah, okay, I get that. Okay, I want to start at the very, very beginning and I kind of go through your whole journey. So let's start with school. What was school like for you? What was sport like at school for you? Touch on that. So school, I went to school in Somerset. um, And for me, I was always into ski racing, which is super strange as someone that goes to West Country school. So half of my year, I basically spent in France and Canada. So a lot of my time at school was actually teaching myself, um, which is kind of an unusual way to do it. And then... um, As well as that, I was always kind of involved in sport apart from kind of having to stop playing rugby because of skiing, but athletics and tennis, it was such a big part of my life. Um, And it was definitely kind of like trying to fit in with the cool kids was definitely part of the reason why I wanted to be good at school um, because I was in general, I worked pretty hard in school. I wasn't like a dropout. I... (laughs) I did try and get good grades, so ultimately trying to be good at both um, was was a bit of a juggle, but we got through it, mm-hmm. and um, it kind of set me on a path of competitive sport, being independent, traveling, 
and just being able to look after myself in foreign countries and mm. uh, kind of led me to where I am today. So with the skiing, how far did that get to? What were the barriers? And was that kind of, at school, was that kind of like your goal at the time was to kind of be in that field and be a professional skier? Yeah, so I started skiing age four um, and then I moved to France with my family when I was 10. We lived there for a year and I wasn't allowed to join the French ski school because I was English. Um, as may, most people know, the French aren't particularly kind to no. English people, so they weren't a big fan. Um, but I turned out that I really I, I really enjoy skiing. Um, so I thought, I kind of want to take this further. So the following year, I went back out and joined an academy. And then the following year after that, started to get good, um, qualified for kind of um, the larger races, age 12. And from the age of kind of 12 to 19, competed um internationally and then kind of got into the England team and the British team and the kind of long-term goal was to be self-sufficient and ski for a career Mm -hmm. but with the likes of a lot of sport in the UK rugby hockey cricket none of them pay very well unless you're in the top one percent so it came down to a point of when I was 19 do I focus on a career where I can have a guaranteed income or risk it all ski racing and with injury being such high risk and being injured so many times I decided to go down the safer option um which didn't end up going how I thought it would but that's that's the way life is it's a tough one do you ever think about like what life would have been like if you went and chose the other option I I luckily have a friend who's still doing it um so I can literally compare myself and he was even better than me so I could be like safely I, <laughs> I wouldn't be as good as him um, and I fully respect what he does but it's a, it's a hard life trying to graph for, yeah. for money for funding and it's a full-on job so respect to the kind of sporting guys out there that are doing it just because they can't physically bring themselves to do anything else because it's such a passion of theirs so yeah yeah it's okay, you made the right <laughs> you made the right decision yeah for me yeah definitely okay so then after school, uni. Mm. Did you go to uni? How was your uni experience? If you did go, let's touch on that. Yeah, did a gap year. Love um, it. Where did you go? What did traveled, you Traveled. New Zealand, Australia, Southeast Asia, five okay. months with some of my best friends. And going 18, I feel like, I don't know how we did that aged 18. I know. You think back <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> Look back. how? did we do that and how were our parents okay with us going and doing that I'm in Vietnam age 18 on a motorbike it sounds dangerous yeah it probably was dangerous with a petrol canister made out of like an Evian bottle I'm like oh my god what what is going on but um no some of the best times of my life um practically not sober for a half a year great fun and then came back went to Exeter Uni did sports science okay um and ended up dropping out about six months into the course, day before okay. my exams. Why? Why did you drop I, I had a girlfriend in London who lived here. So I actually spent a lot of my time kind of on the trains back and forth from Exeter to London, which is a long train. Yeah. Hiding in the loose, so I didn't have to pay the full fare. Um, <laughs> has to be done sometimes. And then it kind of came to, came to the point, I was like, I, I was averaging good grades. I had like a first... Um, on the kind of like preliminary average throughout the year and I thought you know what if I can get a first without really being at uni 
and I'm paying nine grand a year, whatever it is. I was like, I just, I can't see this as a good investment. Yeah. I was like, I can learn to be a sports scientist elsewhere. So dropped out. And uh, the next day I started a job in sales in London, um, basically at minimum wage, 12 grand a year, a grand a month. I mean, it is really (laughs) brave to make that call. But honestly, I think it was probably one of the best calls. I did uni and again, got a first, did well, but I could have done that in the year. Mm. And looking back, would I do it again? I do it for the experience and the memories and the friends I made. The social is key. But I wouldn't do it for what I learned. I learned more starting my own business in two years than I would have learned. Well, I did learn in three years at uni. Okay, so you're now in sales in London. Mm. Then what? I worked as an art broker, which is pretty okay. unique. You've ticked a lot of things off the list. Yeah, like I know. We are, yeah, okay. I'm not necessarily that great at art either. No, Don't really I'm... have any background in it. Wow, okay, um, interesting. But sales are sales, right? So if you can sell something, you can sell anything. Yeah, true. So I worked in art and then transitioned over to finance and then uh, became a finance bro for a little stint. Um, nice. Sold some shares and then eventually got to the point where the people that I was calling were just crap not interested people so I thought you know what I've got a background in marketing how can I get better leads for myself and ultimately that bore that created the idea for my marketing agency which I then founded which was kind of doing lead generation and kind of brand awareness um, for fintech and finance companies which ran for a duration of four years um, which we closed this year just due to the kind of general market conditions but Mm -hmm. it was a successful business for four years and as you say like you learn so much in those years of like being accountable and at the end of the hook for a lot of the decisions that you have to make and it's incredibly stressful um but I feel like the life experience I've gave from it is massive yeah it is huge like you get put in situations which you don't think you're going to get put in you yeah you're earning your own your own money I guess which obviously everyone is but it really is every day you wake up it's like down to you to yeah pay it. your rent yeah exactly yeah. So did you have employees at this business um and you closed it this year how did you feel about closing it yeah so we had I think almost we had about six employees um full-time and then some contractors um and it worked very well for what it was doing we were a simple agency being a good middleman was pretty much our bread and butter. And I was kind of like the creative director, so in charge of kind of just the general kind of design and the flow of campaigns. Um, and closing it was a sad moment for sure, because it, it was somewhat of a baby to me. It was mm. my first kind of big adventure, um, mm. starting it when I was 21. Um, however, it got to the point where the market had just collapsed. All of our clients had basically run out of money um, themselves. So we kept on going for about a year after the point where it was kind of unfeasible to and putting money back in, putting money back in. But there comes a point where the kind of debt and profit doesn't make sense. And we brought in a liquidator and it's gone from there. But um, it's kind of a, a relief at the same time because it causes you so much stress when those things are going on that actually having someone coming in and helping you and just saying look this is what you need to do there's a process to this can be super reassuring Mm. um but yeah as i said it's taught me a huge amount and i think you can take all of those business lessons and put it into your next venture um, wherever that is whether that's fitness or whether that's a new business or whether that's going back to work even 
Yeah, no, for sure. So fitness, let's get mm. onto that because people who might be listening may know you for fitness mm. and all we've just touched on, they might be like, wait, what? I had no idea about <laughs> any of that. So you went through a bit of a fitness transformation, I would say. I have completely yeah. deep dived and stalked your Instagram in preparation for this. Strong. So I would say you've definitely gone through a transformation probably from like 2019, 2018 to now. Yeah. Am I roughly right Yeah, you're on that? right. Okay, so let's touch on that. Your fitness journey. Mm. Broke up with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. ex-girlfriend, and then I decided, do you know what? I need to get back into a place where I feel happy. Ultimately, that was my goal. I was like, I'm not happy. Mm. What, what what has led me to this? And it was kind of a number of things, whether that's the way I looked, the way I felt about myself, or the way I'd been treated, or just in general, lack of self-respect. So I was like, I need to get that back. And the only way that I know how to do that myself, this is in lockdown as well, so there's not much going on, was I just was like, I need to change the way I look, the first thing. So I started running around my park every day, doing pull-ups every day. Um, And I kind of gradually lost weight and then kind of came into a mindset of, okay, now we're losing weight, we're making progress, I wanna get strong again. So I started training back in the gym and then uh, gradually fell in love with bodybuilding and then um, got really, really lean. And then started to think, okay, now we're at the point where people are getting kind of asking me about my journey. I thought, let's make an Instagram, document that, show my progress. And yeah, I'd like 10 likes a post. It's probably my close friends, maybe my mom and dad. Yeah. Um, and it gets to the point where you're just doing it for your own accountability, which I think I would encourage everyone to do. I know it feels very hard to do it when you don't want to post pictures yeah. um, or even take pictures of yourself. But I feel like there's such a good metric um, of your mindset as well. So that was a rough couple of years there. And then um, I decided to kind of focus on really investing into it and building muscle, doing powerlifting. Then I got into the idea of, okay, well, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that. I want to now compete on stage in bodybuilding. And yeah, so we put on a lot of muscle, spent six months trying to eat my way through London, um, eating 5,000 calories a day. That's probably quite hard. It is really hard. (laughs) Some people are like, oh my God, heaven. Probably not heaven. Yeah. After six months of that, you really don't, don't really enjoy food that much. Um, I'd come back from like dinner out and have another dinner. So it's just like, you just feel sick all the time. Yeah, that is a lot. Yeah. Horrible. This episode is brought to you by Parla, the sustainable solution to all your oral care needs. We are now at the start of a new year, which is a perfect time to make some small changes in order to live more sustainably. Our toothpaste tubes and mouthwash bottles are not recyclable and not biodegradable. So every toothpaste tube you've ever used still exists on the planet today, which is mind blowing. So whether you're looking for some high gloss whitening toothpaste or mouthwash with probiotics inside, Parla is the answer. And by using Georgia Simmons, you can get 10% off your first order by heading to www.parlortoothpastetabs.com or clicking the link in the show notes. Make a purchase, make a small change, and that will have a huge impact on the environment. Now let's get back to the episode. And then did the reverse. So then cut down. I lost um, about 25 kilos in six months this year. And then 
competed on stage and then ran a marathon on the same day. Yeah, I saw that. We'll, we'll get to that because that's mm. just insane. So, does it get obsessive? Yeah. And how can you control that? Has it ever got to a point where it's so obsessive you're like, this is actually getting too much now? For sure. There's been points, um, particularly on the kind of restrictive side, that I knew I was doing it for a goal. And I knew that when I go on stage in two and a half weeks' time, when it was, that everything that I eat up until that point in those two weeks, I'm going to be able to tell and see. Yeah. So when I was running, I just had this like mindset of like, if I don't do what I've set out to do, and I was doing all my runs unfueled, I literally didn't change my intake at all. Um, when I was doing like 15 to 30K runs, it was just on caffeine. Wow. And no calories. So the risk of injury was really high. And for me, it was like, if I don't do this, I'm going to know. And I'm going to be able to see it in pictures because the whole thing is being documented. It's being filmed. I'm doing it with Gymshark. It's like, I've got a videographer there. So there's like this constant pressure in my head of like obsessing over it. So it did get very obsessive and I was an absolute bore to deal with and horrific company for a very long time, as many will tell you. But um, it was obsessive towards a goal and it that's the way I'm framing it in my mind. I wasn't I was in control of it because mm-hmm. I had that goal in mind and it wasn't necessarily controlling me. I could have pulled out and it would have kind of corrected it. Fine. And after that competition, I kind of gradually did a kind of reverse diet and it was absolutely fine. But there were moments for sure where I was like, this is not good. Yeah, okay. So I guess it was com- it was obsessive in terms of like your competitive person and like you were determined to yeah. be the best you could be in that competition so that's why I was obsessive Mm. so would you say your relationship with kind of like food and fitness now is back to like a you've got a healthy relationship with it healthy yeah I I don't think it's necessarily always easy Um, Mm -hmm. and I think everyone has different relationships with food and sometimes binging and I think honestly I think it can be especially in fitness there's so many people that struggle with it and especially being kind of known as a fitness creator there's this pressure to always look a certain way Mm -hmm. or always perform a certain way and it can be incredibly it can feel really guilty when you are kind of indulging um in stuff that doesn't necessarily make you feel good afterwards so it's kind of being aware of that and then thinking do you know what people don't care about what i look like i care about the value that you give and it just goes and kind of ebbs and flows between those two feelings but yeah it's it's a balancing act and sometimes it's good sometimes it's not as good I think it's just how you kind of look at it I guess it takes time to get to that point as well I think also you probably have to go through Mm. all the stages maybe go through the obsessive part go through the really really caring what people think because also as you're growing online you're getting validation right from people thinking oh he looks great and like he's performing amazingly so that fuels potentially the unhealthy relationship you have so how do you how do you control that in your head it's you know it's for sure tricky and I think subconsciously I still think it affects me because I will not post as much with my top off for example if I'm not feeling confident about the way I look yeah and so much of the kind of commercial side of fitness is based on how you look which is why so many people use PEDs steroids whatever because it's such like a big wow factor that everyone's like, oh my God, I want to look like that. Yeah. 
and you being like the above average physique isn't necessarily going to gather that much attention so what we see online is always such like a comparison and comparison is like obviously the thief of joy Mm. and it's can be can be really hard um and for me it's kind of just actually just comes down to fuck it like who cares yeah i'm the only one that gives a shit literally most people can't even tell if you're like you've got abs or or the lighting's good so like most people really couldn't give a shit yeah and what about the whole steroids thing has that Mm. ever been something that you have thought about i'm sure maybe you've think thought oh you know what everyone else seems to be doing it why don't i give it a go or like honestly what's yeah what's your relationship with that (laughs) you're right about everyone else seems to be on it everyone's on it um it's a tricky one because the, the 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 side effects are just not worth it like i just would never do that what are the side effects for those who don't know i mean some people can have none and can be relatively healthy uh, and there are obviously different types of compounds and stuff like that so i'm not an expert when it comes to it but the bad side effects if you are prone to kind of breakouts and acne you can get incredibly bad Backney, it's called where basically mm. your whole back gets covered in spots your chest can get really spotty um you can lose fertility um incredibly bad mood violent moods all sorts um hair falling out everything oh god it really yeah. is worth it and this is both for men and women yeah and there are a lot of women that also take peds so in fitness it's quite I would say it's quite damaging mm. um, particularly this kind of area now that we're in where a lot of people are taking them but not being honest about it or just not even talking about it um, yeah. because there's such a big incentive for brands to to pay them to be this kind of like wow factor amazing physique because um, they're going to sell more products whatever that is and it's damaging for people getting into fitness but also damaging for creators that are still trying to compete against them in terms of the attention span that we're trying to all compete for um so yeah it's it's a bit yeah. of an uphill battle but Definitely. i think being natural is the best way for sure for sure i guess it's like the pressure to grow online and i think growing online is getting increasingly harder mm. i want to touch on growing online so you mentioned that you could have posted to keep yourself accountable again when I was stalking I um <laughs> went right back and I noticed that like you used to post more quotes that's a long time ago I, I told you I really <laughs> went deep diving in yeah. so I want to touch on that because like you went from posting inspirational kind of quotes mm. to then inspirational content I guess yeah so when was a pivotal moment where you decided to put yourself out there because I know from me as well like I post a lot more online now but it's taken me a while to get to that point and I had friends and family being like you should document this and document that and I found it easier documenting under a different name so I've had a few other accounts and it was like healthy habits and like that was all my food Mm. account and I had and now I don't have any of that and it's just me and it has taken a long time to be more vulnerable online and I think I was worried about what other people thought and I was scared about comments or likes or yeah. whatever. So did you go through that? And when was the moment when you stopped post- posting quotes and went in more content? For sure. I think you've gone from like one end to the other now doing podcasts, which is like probably the most revealing thing. Yeah, you literally, literally. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I started posting quotes and it's like, I, I used to grow Instagram accounts when I was at school and, and sell them and, and stuff like this. But it was... It was never my face. It was never my voice or anything like that. And I felt that I could. It's that, 
that it kind of thing of embarrassment if someone finds something or like your your mates see you and then you're just like oh, oh just like yeah. and then they're like oh it's cringe or whatever and that for sure was the starting kind of vibe I just didn't really want it to be like a big thing I just wanted to kind of post and kind of the the I wanted it to be kind of like Stephen Bartlett where he posted quotes I remember thinking that um and now I post videos where I talk on camera me looking at the lens with the microphone on in the middle of London on Tower Bridge and there's obviously a period of time where I've <laughs> transitioned into that and I think the main thing for me was when stepping in front of the camera for the first time is always going to be terrifying like it always is. Yeah. But the way I rephrase it now is the people that see me filming, and now I'm filming every part of my day. Um, the people that see me filming out and about, I'm never going to see again. They are only going to notice me for about 10 seconds. They're going to think, what's that guy filming? And they're going to carry on with their day. No one cares. My my kind of rule is just do it. Just, just mm. fuck it. In the I proverbial words. I agree. <laughs> I often go by just fuck it. And I think, why not? Like yeah. You're only going to... If you're thinking about posting online and being more vulnerable online, the only reason you're going to know if it works or not is by doing it. Yeah. And people don't really care. These, you know, we are so quick at swiping on our phones. Yeah. And, you know, you might see something for like a second and then you're already onto the next bit of content. And obviously for content creators, that's a really sad reality when you put it like that. It's not quite like that. But for people scrolling, like, it, it doesn't really matter. And no. I think, so how, how was the growth for you online? Was it hard? Was it long? Did you find it rewarding? What, what has it been like? Yeah, I think there's never been a point for me where I've like, oh my God, that's viral. I've never gone viral in mm -hmm. that sense of getting millions of views on particular videos. However, I feel like the community has grown slowly and gradually, which I am quite grateful for and grateful for in a way that it hasn't gone viral because I haven't had the kind of mass influx of people that have no real attachment to me. Um, and we've kind of grown very steadily and slowly um, across kind of TikTok and Instagram. And it's been a great way for me to kind of adapt slowly and build the community gradually. And yeah, so growth is obviously up and down at different points. and. I feel like it kind of succeeds in one thing in one month and then the next month it's changing. Um, and it's kind of, for me, keeping up to date with not trends, but the general kind of feel of what everyone's going through. And obviously like right now, clubs and fitness are a massive thing. Um, and kind of hosting my own club has definitely benefited the just general community um, that I have, which is a fantastic achievement for me and mm. I'm very very grateful for that community and just getting in new people that don't even know me that are coming because yeah. their friends are bringing them um is the best feeling and that are going for coffee dates with other people that they've never met before and putting people together I think that's the, that's the ultimate dream for me for sure I think community is huge now and I think it's since kind of lockdown <clears throat> everyone felt so isolated and now everyone wants to be part of things and being part of a community has never been yeah bigger or more of a drive for people so talk about the community that you're building am i right in saying is it called hybrid community or have i made yeah. that one up no it's revive revive okay yeah so hybrid is like the kind of like model of fitness fine okay so talk to me about it what made you start it and what does it involve so i when i started fitness it was very much a 
so solo journey like a lot of people and I think what I lacked was having a another accountability factor and also just a community of people that I could train with um, I trained alone for about three years and uh, doing my own sessions programming myself coaching myself it gets to the point where it's boring and I think I wanted to kind of create something that I would want to have yeah so creating a community one thing creating a community that in a sport that is new and upcoming such as high rocks was another thing and it was a no-brainer for me because I met so many of my friends through high rocks so it was like a natural thing of like I know this works in terms of bonding because I've done it I met so many people this year through it and I want to do the same for other people that are new to it that have never heard of it that think it's CrossFit but actually it's something completely different and we finish every session with pastries and coffees and I don't make any money from it um, but I'm looking to kind of get brands involved and enhance the experience both in terms of like the the session itself as well as the recovery and trying to partner with recovery bands and stuff like that to make it a real event on a Saturday that when people don't drink on a Friday night they have an excuse to get up early and go to pure sport and then come to this afterwards and have like a whole day of sober activities that they can line up and have a good excuse not to go out so yeah but I think building communities like you're doing where it involves like no alcohol it gives people an incentive not to drink on a Friday people can meet friends they can kind of just have fun without alcohol being involved is huge in terms of the whole movement towards making going alcohol free the norm Mm. so touch on your experience with cutting back on alcohol or going sober or whatever journey you've had with alcohol yeah I've definitely prescribed to the kind of like dry jan before Mm -hmm. that was like the first start of it and I think growing up in the UK it's such a ingrained feeling of okay let's go to the pub um or let's go to the park and just have tennis or G&T's or even with parents like going out and just drinking bottles of wine it just it just is the norm um and to create a kind of normality of not drinking is is super tough and I think for me the change was probably last year I decided to do like a big diet restriction cut I guess you could call it and alcohol is just riddled with calories um so I made the choice to remove that and so I I love food so I was like I want to focus more on food than on beer yeah um and it means I could have some pasta or whatever it is and it came down to a simple choice of that. And then I realized along the way, I was like, do you know what? I actually, I actually quite like not feeling crap the day mm. afterwards. Um, and it was really a sense of just feeling better most of the time. And people often ask, they're like, oh, have you noticed any big differences? Main one is feeling less shit, but also the kind of less brain fog, that fogginess where you just can't really think of anything. You can't write down anything. And I think being in a creative world like we are, being able to kind of convey your thoughts, whether it's writing down something or video production is so important that it may not be the hangover that gets you, but it's like the two days afterwards where you're just still just like, oh, just don't want to be doing this. And yeah. it, it's all down to that that like night that you just got hammered. Um, and it definitely was a period of time where it was like, I'd have one, but like occasionally. And then I did nine months sober last year, had a few drinks over Christmas and new year but I just I can't really see myself drinking this year it's not something that I really 
feel like a reason need, I can need to. I might have like a lucky saint or yeah, some mocktails, but. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I do get it. I also think it's nice that you're not saying, like, I'm never going to drink again. No. I think when you put that pressure on yourself, you make it into more of a deal. Exactly. The fact that you're like, I may, but I don't think I will, mm. is probably going to make it more sustainable for you in the long run anyway. But how has the decision affected your social life and also dating life? Because, like, mm. one of the things I always think about is, like, you're messaging someone you're like let's go for a drink like that's what you would say yeah. or that's what i've heard oh yeah I'm a girl. <laughs> like that's what you hear people yeah, say let's yeah, go yeah. for a drink so like what do you say otherwise like how has it affected your life i think um first of all dating you have to you have to work on your chat yeah you have to have good chat that's very true because you can't you can't wing it and you can't there's a point that you could probably go on like a mediocre date and you could get a couple of bottles of wine and you can yeah. have a great date from yeah. that and you can get on really well and then the next date you're sober and you think oh my god maybe they're not that fun that not drinking cuts out all of that so if they're if it's going to be a bad date it's going to be a bad date on the first one which cuts out a lot of the crap but also can be kind of an uncomfortable couple of hours mm-hmm. um and in terms of the approach i'd always go for maybe a coffee and yeah. i think normalizing a kind of daytime date is actually quite nice yeah it is it is i think you you definitely get to know someone better yeah it's different that. for it's sure different. it is different and i think you attract a different kind of person the ones that are willing to do that and i think if you go on hinge i don't really have hinge anymore but a lot of the prompts are like alcohol related and i think you can see through someone pretty easily what they're kind of into and what they kind of respect and just for me personally i think dating apps are just not not the one if you're trying to be sober agree yeah 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 for sure because i think they're they're not the ones in general just in general but like yeah i think yeah i'm sure if you're trying to be sober that's not a great way either as you say yeah meeting for a drink is the classic yeah um and you go to a pub and you get mashed and you can't remember your night together but yeah yeah, it's not. It's not really it's my not thing. The one. I am proud to announce that I am now an affiliate of Huel. If you have made some New Year's resolutions to start the year, such as getting more protein into your diet or eating a hearty and healthy breakfast, Huel may just be the answer. I love having my fridge stocked with Huel for those mornings where I'm on the go or if I have a podcast recording and want to grab something without making my kitchen messy, Huel is always my go-to. After having James Collier on the podcast, I can confirm that when they say each bottle is nutritionally complete and that each bottle contains 26 of your essential vitamins and minerals, they are right. My go-to flavor is chocolate and vanilla. So if you want to start adding some healthy habits into your everyday, place your Huel order today. Click the link in the show notes and place your order. Honestly, I love having my fridge stocked with these products. It's easy, convenient, and also super delicious. Let's get back to the episode. Yes, creating communities like you're doing is a really great way of like redefining your social life, I guess. Whereas maybe before it was like, meet in the pub, now you're meeting in the gym. Like it's different. And I think it's just trying to be more aware because I guess, choosing not to drink I mean I drink but I'm not mm. like a I don't drink a lot no. but like I do drink but I guess 
it does kind of define your plans. So yeah. you've got to make a conscious effort to like redefine what your social life is. It's that environment in which you socialize in. It's like, is it going to be at the pub? Is it going to be at the track for a run? Is it going to be doing a long run? Or is it going to be at the gym? Or are you going to go out for dinner? And it's mm. kind of like, where do you want your social interactions to take place? And then naturally the people that will go to those events will kind of like predict where you're going to socialize, who you're going to socialize with. So yeah, I think I'm my friend group. We've got a mixed amount of people that drink and don't drink, but all of which are incredibly motivated. So I could meet each of them in a pub and we could go for a Diet Coke or yeah. we could go and do a track session at five in the morning, which mm. is what I was supposed to stay by. It's too, my cold. Alarm. too cold, too cold, <laughs> too cold. So yeah, I think social life is very much determined on really what you're looking to achieve and who you're looking to surround yourself with. And I think for me, it's only brought benefits. Some people may say and look at it being like, oh, you don't socialize at all. But actually my social comes from having a coffee after a session with someone and we just talk through what we've been up to. And I think I actually gained a lot more value from that than just chatting someone's ear off after eight pints at Sloaney Pony. Yeah, no, completely agree. But I also feel like it's okay to also be in those venues and not drink. 100%. I think that's also quite nice as well. Like, yeah. for example, Lucky Saint, like, they've been, what they've created is great. Like, yeah. you can sit there with a beer in your hand and, like, sometimes that's all people need to then feel comfortable to, like, join you in the pub. Or, like, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you're very happy to sit there with a the Diet Coke, 100%. but sometimes having that beer bottle makes all It the removes difference. the questioning as well. Yeah. That's the most annoying thing, I think, about reducing your intake is when people are like oh why aren't you drinking and i think if you're there with a pint or a half pint whatever it is of non-alcoholic or something that looks similar then people just don't don't question it whereas mm -hmm. if you're there with a diet coke or lemonade everyone's like yeah are we not are yeah. we not fun enough for you yeah 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 completely completely okay so let's talk about your diet and food mm. so what's your diet like diet in general is pretty uh pretty clean um i've worked for many years now to be as kind of structured and also finding out what works for me because um, a lot of foods that people eat like with I think this is Zoe um, where you can see your kind of blood sugar spikes and all that kind of stuff and a lot of data there's a, a lot of foods work for different people um, and for me I love carbohydrates but sometimes it doesn't love me back and I I'm so aware of it's like um, the effect of how it fuels and for my runs it's so important um, but the way that my body works and how I feel in the day can be massively affected by carbs in terms of like, like post-carb nap feeling mm. is big yeah. for me I just want to go to bed yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so in general I don't really have breakfast I have a large lunch I approximately have like half kilo of meat <laughs> wow. for lunch and then yeah. veg and I don't really have carbs at lunch because it just I just get that brain fog that like clumsy kind of just like cluttered head and then at dinner when I know that I don't have to do anything in the evening I can enjoy high carbohydrates and in general just wind down for the evening it just helps with that process that is not me saying that you need to do that but for me that works and it's something that I've like worked meticulously on and after coming off bodybuilding prep Obviously, I had all the foods that I've been craving for months and months, and I just felt crap all the time. I, that could have been down to the kind of dopamine crash, but also due to like my gut health and not getting enough fruit and veg, which I was 
eating so regularly when I was um, competing. And I think having worked through so many different kind of diet fads and different kind of food types, you do come to a place where you just kind of find that happy medium of like, okay, we're training this morning, so I'm going to have a bagel with some honey and butter because I know that's going to fuel me for my run. It's not something that I necessarily normally have if I wasn't training, but the difference between that is massive and food is fuel and so important in terms of performance and important for your gut health because that's going to affect the way you feel about yourself, your anxiety, depression. So important that you have like a balanced diet. And for me, across the board, trying new foods is just like been the best thing for me. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a massive part of my life. So have you kind of seen anyone about food or have you done it all kind of self? You've kind of like learned, kind of deep dived into trying, trial and error, listening yeah. to your body. Have you gone through that journey or have you worked with like a nutritionist or anyone? I had a nutritionist when I was... 16 um and had mixed mixed feelings um just across the board it was basically i just wanted to put on weight at that time and i got given some absolutely crazy plans but um there are lessons to be learned and i think through learning sports science and then taking that information and just reading my own studies and then also through trial and error as you say you kind of figure out what works for you um I would like to do some more kind of data side of things as well as like using the Zoe stuff, mm-hmm. seeing what spikes my blood sugar and my family have a history of potentially interesting levels of that. So I think That'd it's something that definitely be good for me. Um, but no, I haven't gone to a nutritionist recently, to be honest. Okay, so I guess it's more like listening to your body, which yeah. I guess you're doing quite a lot of anyway in terms of like yeah, every you know, day. drinking, <laughs> like all the fitness and I think that is huge like I bang on this podcast so much about like everyone's so different and like listen to your body and Mm. I think it is really key like you said you skip breakfast if I skip breakfast I wouldn't be able to have this conversation right now I would be the devil like (laughs) breakfast is like my favorite meal of the day I can't I can't function without it and that just is an example of how like our bodies are very very different and work in different ways um so I think it is yeah so subjective everyone 100%. is is so different is there anything that you cut out um i do cut out processed food completely okay it's not something that serves me in any way so you don't have like a cheat day no okay good i think this whole cheat day thing is actually mental because mm. like i just think you're demonizing foods anyway like, processed foods aren't great and like i yeah. don't eat processed foods either i'm probably obsessive in terms of clean eating i'm mm. plant-based i but that's how i feel my best and yeah. i feel great and i function better and i feel clear-headed and all of those things um but cheat days are like yeah. demonizing and it's also i don't think it's very sustainable it's kind of that like binge restrict cycle but on a macro scale mm. um which i've done and i've done the cheat days i've done cheat meals the problem with them is you just, as you say, like you feel terrible afterwards and like particular processed food, like with a lot of like the, the sugary crap, it doesn't make you feel full. So you eat more and more of it and you then get the kind of massive sugar spike, massive crash. You're left with just like, what am I doing? That guilt. And it's not something that I ever want to feel guilty about eating, but 
it just doesn't make me feel good. Mm. I think ultimately, like, we've come to a point in society where, like, going on a diet is eating normal, real food. Yeah. Veg, fruit, meat, like, healthy, non-processed stuff. Yeah. And being normal is having your Saturday night takeaway, having KFC in the week, going and grabbing, like, a meal deal with just crap and crisps and, like, uh, full fat Coke or whatever it is. And I think... Yes, there's a huge amount of room for having the odd thing here and there and enjoying your life because what else are we going to do? We may as well enjoy it. But yeah. it's all about like a balance of proportions. And I think we've gone so wrong. Yeah, we have lost what normal is, mm. I think. And like we've lost the value of like how great natural food is for us. And you're so right. Like people eating healthy now is just eating what we should be eating anyway. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but that is super interesting. So in terms of like caffeine, you're you're all good on caffeine. You don't I do smash caffeine. Yeah. That, <laughs> well, we we need something to keep yeah. us going. I mean, if you're not having breakfast, it's good that you, you've got your caffeine. If you weren't having coffee or weren't drinking, or I was like, how's oh, boy function? Yeah. No. Um, okay, that's good. So, what motivates you? Motivates me. I th- think I used to get motivated by watching YouTube videos and whatever you watch David Goggins for sure big motivation for me but it's so fleeting like motivation will not carry you anywhere like it will get you for the first day it will get you to start something but if you're not disciplined it doesn't mean anything so I think for me motivation isn't really a big factor it's more so what can I set out to do and I think discipline is doing what motivation would do if it was there every day and it's not motivation there only one day out of ten realistically mm. for people living in the city living in England in particular when it's dark all the time motivation is pretty much only here when the sun's out um, so getting up early before the sun's here is purely discipline and if you can't execute without discipline you're fucked Literally. so Literally. you better better get good at it and it's not something you can just grab and everyone says oh how do I get more disciplined it's just practice yeah it's showing up even if you don't want to show up go and show up for the gym for 10 minutes just drive there walk in the door even stretch whatever it is but just build that consistency engine and then you're going to just build up that tolerance where being consistent seven days a week doesn't even feel like a chore mm-hmm. so for me yeah motivation's bullshit that is really quite true no one's ever said that and I guess like what we've touched on today is like from the beginning of your journey to now like you didn't wake up one morning and suddenly turn into what you are now like no. you couldn't do that that's not you've got to build those like tiny habits sure. slowly like you mentioned that you were just running around the park and doing pull-ups like that's great starting point yeah um but how else if anyone else is listening and they're like i want to create more discipline in my life what other advice i guess could you give someone to leave or mm. le- le- live lead a better life i think it all starts with i I have this thing like micro habits so it's about creating like tiny routines that are so easy for you to do that it just becomes normal so like for me before i have a coffee in the morning i have this thing called earn your caffeine just kind of a thing that i post about but before i have any caffeine in the morning i have a glass of water with my greens with my creatine and electrolytes i've done that for like nine months straight now it's something that is so easy. I do it the night before. I prep it the night before. So that in the morning, I make my life even easier. I just go downstairs. I drink a drink. 
and then I go out and I wait about an hour and a half for I have a coffee. If I do those tiny little micro habits that make no difference to my day on a macro scale, it just means I have a drink and some greens or whatever. But I'm doing something that is going to build and build and build and build and build and nailing those few little habits, whether that's making your bed or whether that's taking the dog on the walk before you go to, the, to work in the morning. Setting a kind of routine and getting maybe you're getting your clothes out the night before or stretching. Those small micro habits, when done over a long period of time, make it so much easier to do mm. bigger changes because you know that you can maintain something over a longer period of time. And it can be literally as simple as going for a five-minute walk before you have a coffee. So true. And I think once that becomes routine, then you can add another thing. Yeah. But if you try and onboard all these, like, the whole... I mean, January's quite overwhelming for people at the best of times. It's like, new year, new me. Like, I'm going to be this complete, like, super person. Like, yeah. let's just do one little step at a time. Otherwise, it is quite a lot. And I think if you have a goal for the end of the year, like, every month introduce, like, a little micro habit into your yeah. day. It makes a huge difference. Um, but I agree. Like, even, like you mentioned, like, getting up and making your bed. Sounds, like, so obvious. But, like... Yeah it just it's a good start like, yeah it's like you're doing something well clean efficient like it's a 100%. good little start so in five years time where would you hope to be i would love to have this revived community on a kind of multi-city scale and also kind of be a part of this community where we have different locations and that as well as kind of my coaching have that growing and helping um, people through that as well as kind of completing my own personal challenges whether that's uh, climbing I love I'd love to get into climbing um, and also improving my marathons and just being a generally better role model amazing maybe more committed to other people as well who knows who knows, <laughs> who knows? I think that's great and I think what you're building like really aligns with like your own journey like mm. in terms of creating you're basically creating a social scene which there you go there you go <laughs> creating a social scene that doesn't involve drinking doesn't involve alcohol doesn't involve any of these things that you're no longer like aligned with yeah and you're not creating this on a saturday night you're creating this on a saturday morning you're mm. inspiring people to live a healthier life but in a very fun active healthy way so i think it's great appreciate that so we have a final question which is again all about food and it's what would your last meal be starter main course and dessert mm, good question starter oh, do you know what this may sound rogue but i love like palm ham melon it's a good one it's a good one to start it's fresh yeah it's, i mean i like the melon part i'm not a palm ham girl but i'm I, I appreciate that it's a bit rogue but it's a, i love it and then even weirder to combine those two beef wellington yeah yeah huge smash yeah love that one. and then maybe sticky toffee pudding good one yeah mm. yeah very english apart from the mediterranean stuff yeah very english <laughs> but yeah you can't go wrong no. marlo thank you so much for joining me in my kitchen i have loved hearing the journey and i think it's really cool where you're heading so yeah thank you so much thank you very much thank you guys so much for listening and i hope you enjoyed this episode as much as i did this year we are aiming to bring you so much value as I keep mentioning and we are doing this by talking to amazing and inspiring people as well as talking about hot topics which will also bring you value and make you learn about how to be and feel the best version of yourself. 
in return all I ask is you keep supporting us please subscribe press the follow button share on social media send the link to a friend or family member who you think will love the episode too honestly all of this makes such a big difference and I will really really appreciate it so thank you in advance and I'll see you again next week (laughs) Thank you.